This is the Dive Bomb Squadcast, presented by Dive Bomb Industries. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Dive Bomb Squadcast. I hope this finds everybody doing well and uh, coming off a strong finish to your regular waterfowl season. Uh, we are joined today by one of the most passionate snow goose guys you'll ever meet. Uh, if you're into snow goose hunting, you've heard of him. You've heard his signature shot call, followed by what often sounds like popcorn popping. So um, without further delay, uh, owner of Snow Addictions God Service, Mr. Jonathan Olson. John, what's up? Hey, hey Asher. How's it going? Going good, man. Going good. Glad to have you on. Appreciate you you taking your time. We had a few technical difficulties, but um, we're doing our best and, and we're going to get it done. So we appreciate you coming on with us. Absolutely. Let's make it happen. Let's talk a All little right. bit about snow goose hunting. Let's do it. So um, I want to I want to just kind of go back to the beginning, get a, a quick rundown of your general hunting background. Can you take a moment to just explain to me how you got started and, and who taught you how to hunt? Uh, so this goes back pretty young. Uh, my grandpa actually was a pretty avid hunter. And, uh, he took me hunting, shooting guns. My dad as well did, but the real passion became uh, real strong for my grandpa. Um, we used to actually hunt. I started out jump shooting snow geese actually when I was young and, uh, then became very passionate about it. Shot a lot of stuff at a young age. And, uh, anyways, he took me hunting quite often. And actually at one point we were, uh, we were in North Dakota and we went jump shooting and he stopped the vehicle and looked at a snow goose spread and said, John, I can tell you right now that you and I are going to shoot more geese than uh, they are in that spread today. So uh, at one point in my life, I believed that um, snow goose hunting over spreads over decoys was a joke. And uh, long story short, in uh, 2005, I went on my first snow goose hunt over decoys and I, uh, I've learned real quick that that is definitely not the case. So, so that's pretty cool to kind of go back and hear the guy who's, you know, the man behind decoying huge, huge, huge wads of snow geese every spring to go back and say he started, you know, jump shooting that, that, that's kind of cool how it all evolved. And you said, you know what, um, I'm going to prove people wrong. I'm going to show that we can shoot just as many uh, in the decoys as we can jumping them. And I think most people that have followed um, you and, and your guys would realize that um, you you probably made that come true more more times than than people can even imagine. So that's a that's pretty cool. Pretty cool background story. Now, where what what town did you grow up in? Uh, I actually grew up in Ada, Minnesota. And, uh, I lived there my whole life, uh, through high school then moved to Grand Forks, North Dakota, actually. Okay. So now when you talk about, you said your first like real snow goose hunt was, uh, I think you said 2005. Is that when that, that fire was just lit to, to chase these, these crazy bastards or, or well, <laughs> was that at a, a different time or a later date? Well, what actually happened was. I got invited to go to Missouri and I'd always hunted. I'd hunted in Nebraska at this point, I, you know, but jump shooting at that point. And, uh, the first hunt that I went on was by Grand Pass actually in Missouri. 
And I actually hunted with a buddy and he was calling the shots and I was just sitting there. I think my first hunt, we killed 67 birds and he was calling them at 40 yards, but I laid there and it's like, something isn't right here. I, I, I think we can do better than this. And of course I just had to follow along because I was a guest. And, um, to this day, actually that man that took me, uh, his name, name is Adam Bowler. Um, he looks up to me as a snow goose hunter, which is really, really quite, quite a story on my end of things. So, but the shot calls were a little, little high. I thought at that time, birds were still doing it. We were trying to shoot them and whatever, but we killed 67 and that's a, that's a really good first, first day. (laughs) So, so everybody that knows you, we, you know, we know you as, as the snow goose guy, but, but I know, you know, obviously that, you do a lot more than that. I know you go out and you hunt with Braden a lot and you shoot a lot of ducks and, and honkers. And obviously growing up in Minnesota, you shot honkers. So would you say how, how big of a gap is there between your passion for snow geese and say specs or, or, or a mallard or, or Canada geese? Is it, is it a huge, huge discrepancy or would you say you're also pretty passionate about about those other species as well well without sounding a little rough the one reason i love snow goose hunting the most is because it's the species of waterfowl that people struggle with the most mm-hmm. and the truth is is snow goose hunting is very much detail oriented and there's a lot of different factors that that draw success into snow goose hunting so the reason why I'm most passionate about snow goose hunting is that it, it takes a lot to make it happen. Anybody can get lucky once in a while with snow goose hunting. Like don't, don't get me wrong there, but to be able to do it consistently, it takes the same and the right recipe. And even from 2005 to now 2020, it snow goose hunting has evolved a lot. And and I've had to evolve a lot with it. And, and the truth is, is the hunting pressure is out of control compared to what it used to be. And it takes a really good team of people, you know, and I call it qualified snow goose hunters to be able to still make it happen. Definitely, man. I mean, everybody always says that snow geese are without a doubt the most difficult waterfowl to consistently decoy and kill. And, you know, I, I'm a, I grew up in Arkansas. I'm a water hunter. Um, you know, I hunt flooded timber. I, I love chasing mallards. I love hunting mallards. I'm very passionate about it. I love, I love hunting them in Canada. Um, but man, I remember trying my hand at snow geese. I don't know. We started buying old socks, maybe gosh, 15, 20 years ago. And that was before many people were doing it and there wasn't a lot of pressure. And I just remember I kept doing it and I was like, what am I doing? Like I'm wasting, like we would occasionally run into a good hunt. And I, I would guess that even as early as probably maybe, or as late as four or five years ago, I started following you and seeing your stuff. And, and I even mess have messaged you personally before the whole dive bomb thing started like dude how do you do this like i I mean i I consider myself a pretty good waterfowler i know how to scout i know how to find birds i know how to set up i know how to get covered up or so i thought and 
you know, and cause I had been successful with other species and I'm like, dude, I've got to, I've got to talk to this guy and figure out wh- like how to kill these things because we have so many of them and they're just sitting there, you're driving down the highway and they're sitting right next to the road, sticking their tongue out at you. And they just look so sexy coming in just by the hundreds of thousands. And you're just like, man, a- after you're just driving home from killing, you know, taking your shutout or your, you know, your two juvies that, that we shot. Um, so I was like, man, I've got to, I've got to get a hold of this guy and figure him out. And then, you know, of course we've never hunted together or anything, but kind of gradually talked and, um, as things have progressed with that bomb and I've, you know, been following you for a long time. So it's, it's been pretty fun to watch because it's, it's certainly not for everybody, man. I mean, it takes a, a special individual to, to go after these things day in and day out and kind of know what you're, what you're getting yourself into. So, um, I have a ton of respect for (laughs) snow goose guys based (laughs) on my, uh, my career record Toronto. Well, appreciate that very much. Yeah, it's definitely, (laughs) definitely not for the faint of heart, the snow goose hunting deal. So I would definitely definitely. agree with that, but man, I, I tell you what, it's, um, definitely the most, um, probably the most frustrating i would say but goodness gracious when it all comes together how rewarding extremely rewarding not sure that it gets a lot better than that um so so we've covered your background and and kind of when this all started what made you to decide to take the 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 leap to start your own outfitting business you know that's a that's a big commitment to to go into what were you doing um prior to that and what what made you ultimately say you know what i can do this i can do this and i can do it right and and um i want to show people how awesome this can can be laying under um you know thousands of these things working coming in so what what made you ultimately decide to to jump right into it to become a guide essentially yeah so so basically how it happened is i actually had a place and I was in Florida and a buddy of mine, um, I've hunted Arkansas for years prior to this, but a buddy of mine actually did a very small, low key, uh, guide service and, and he was reasonably successful, but he, he would have five guys come in and then he'd have 10 come in every, you know, every other day. And then he'd be guiding two guys and whatever. So I'm, I'm a businessman outside of snow goose hunting. I mean, I, I have other businesses. Long story short, while I was there, uh, Adam had asked me if I would take some guys out for him. He had another group that wanted to book. And, you know, at first I was like, no, dude, I'm not a guide. I, I don't want to do this. And um, eventually I had a couple whiskeys and I was talked into it. So long story short there, uh, the clients came and we beat them up. I mean, we had a 116 bird day the first day and, and these guys had never shot snow geese before, you know, they wanted to do it. It was a bucket list hunt. Anyway, the next day we shot 180 some birds. And then the last day we killed 216. And, um, and, and I'd never been a guy before. I'd been asked many times to be paid to hunt or do whatever, but I actually, um, I actually told them, I said, I'm not a guide and, and, and this is not, this is not me. You know, I like to fun home with my buddies and that's it. And, um, at the end of the day, they told Adam and me, they pulled me aside. They, you know, they gave me a tip and, um, 
And I was like, well, um, nice knowing you guys, like whatever. And they're like, Hey, we want, uh, we want you to be our guide next year. We'll come back if you guide us. And I told them no at that time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they went home and they were texting me and, you know, I had some videos to show them whatever. And they just, they couldn't get enough of it. Um, and then eventually Adam and I just discussed, okay, Adam, like if I do this, if I become a guide, we're going to do it right. And we're going to run it like a, an honest, respectable business. And I said, it's going to be consistent. People are going to come. They're not going to be in one day and out the next. Like they need to come for a period of time so that they can see what our passion is all about. Because the last thing I wanted was someone coming in for one day and we have a bad hunt and then talking down or, you know, whatever. So I pretty much require everybody to come for three days. And in those three days, now with this business, I mean, we usually can produce one hell of a hunt for every group. So. Yeah, that's awesome, man. You know, like, it's kind of like what we were talking about and you just want to see people in this industry, if you're going to do it and you're going to commit to having somebody spend their hard earned money with you, it needs to be done the right way. Um, you know, it, it's, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. There's controllables and there's uncontrollables. We talked about them, but the biggest thing with any outfitter is it's very refreshing to hear from people to say, Hey, you know, we can't always control how this is going to go. I can't guarantee you a hundred bird day, although your odds are with us are much greater. We will control everything in our power to do what we can to get you on these hundred bird and 200 bird plus days, you know? And I think that, that, uh, speaks volumes about, um, uh, just the kind of people, uh, w what kind of people you are, you know, some people, they say, Hey, well, you know, they start up, they get some decoys, they start an outfitter, they take your money and they don't care about your experience. Um, right. and that's, that's not the way it needs to be. If, if somebody's going to spend their hard earned money, with you, then they need to have the experience of a lifetime or at least the opportunity um, to have the experience of a lifetime. Well, and I think one difference with, you know, our guide service and how it's set up is I run my business on ethics. I also understand business. And, you know, when somebody comes and hunts with us, we are putting our best foot forward every day, every day. It's an honest effort every day, which I am different than most people in this industry. I, I am a business person, but I'm also very much a hunter. And, right. and, and, and I created my career around hunting in the beginning. Um, I own a landscaping and fencing company. And in North Dakota, that's very seasonal. Mm -hmm. and, and I did that strategically so that I could hunt. So there's, it's a different dynamic. You know, a lot of, a lot of guides out there, that's their full-time job and that's all they do. But, I hunt just as much or more than those guides and I have a professional career outside of all of this. Right. So it's do very you, different. Do you think, um, because we're a lot of the same way, like whenever I played sports and, and played baseball, I wanted to be the absolute best that I could possibly be. And it grinded my gears. If anybody, I didn't want anybody outworking me. And I think sometimes that confidence and belief in yourself can be, misconstrued as somebody 
maybe being arrogant or thinking they're better than somebody else when in reality, all you're trying to do is be your best possible self or be the best that you can be at what you're doing. Do you think at times when it comes to you and in your your business, your outfitting business, that people think maybe because you charge a little bit more on the higher end that you maybe think you're um, – I don't want to say think you're better than everybody else because you don't think that, but but you you do have the uh, the people and the the videos and the the body counts to back up the reason for charging more and saying, hey, this is what you can expect from us. Would you do? Do you think at times maybe there's a misconception at all, or do you think most people understand or get it? You know, the one thing is is um, I think people don't fully understand until they, they come and they actually hunt with me personally. Um, uh, but a lot of people do. I mean, the old saying, you get what you pay for is a very real thing. And to be honest with you, um, I have a tough time, you know, charging for a service that I don't feel like I gave it my all for. And, and in all honesty, like I said, there's way more factors than just buying a, a spread of decoys and saying, okay, here you go um, this is it. And, and there's so many more factors, like even, even my guides, I mean, I actually have a, between me and everybody, there's 11 of us, there's 11 of us doing this operation. And I've got two different, two different lodges. I mean, every day, my fuel bill just to keep people on birds and do it right is close to $700 every day for 11 vehicles driving. And there is nobody in this industry. I don't care if it's the new guy that just started or, you know, the, the top of the line and, and, and those top of the line people are, are not necessarily producing anywhere near what we are. And so there's a lot that goes into, into this industry that people don't fully understand, but they don't, for us, fortunately, they don't have to, we have enough uh, people that are involved with our business and have come and seen it in real life that, Right. We've got enough testimonials out there. I mean, you know, word of mouth is by far the absolute best way to get a message across. Sure. So basically what you're trying to say is you're you're saying I'm not I'm not talking down to anybody. I'm not I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal, but what I am saying is we're going to outwork you and we're going to do everything we can. There there's nobody that's going to give you the effort that we're going to give you and it's not and it's not saying that they're not good. It's just saying we're just going to be better. I I truly believe that it is an accurate statement. Yeah, I don't think anybody's putting the work in that we are. I'm and I just said it actually last night. I went to dinner with four farmers, big farmers in the areas that we hunt, and and I just said I said I I think I have more friends in Arkansas than I do in North Dakota where I live. And I said, but I I legitimately. You know, I talk to these people every day, all between Snapchat and texts. I mean, I'm talking to somebody all the time, even when I'm in North Dakota or Canada or sitting at the lake or there's communication constantly. And it's not just, you know, we don't, I don't just come to Arkansas and, and, um, just take from them per se, you know? Right. So there's, there's, there's a lot of back work that's going on that people don't see. and, And I'm okay with that. I'm definitely okay with that. And I I respect that. Like I respect the guy that says, you know what? I'm going to be the best because I think in this industry, 
if you don't have a competitive background and it if it doesn't bother you when somebody else is making moves or maybe somebody else is is doing as good as you or doing better than you, I think you're in the wrong line of business. I'm going to be honest with you. Even with Dive Bomb, like I, dude, we have so much fire to keep getting better and it all is based off of our competitors. I absolutely hate, I hate whenever somebody does something and I think maybe they've beat us to the punch on something or maybe they did something that helped change the game. Like all that does is makes me want to get that much better. And I think similar to you guys, I think it can be misconstrued for being arrogant or, or being an asshole. And it's like, dude, I'm not an asshole. I, I can be, don't get me wrong. I can be an asshole, but I'm right. a freaking competitor, man. And I don't want anybody to do anything better than me. And I think that's just a competitive background. I'm not a bad guy. I don't think, people that that are competitors that want to beat your ass and everything are bad guys. I think that's just, it just burns deep to be the best. Well, and you know, you know, as well as I do that no matter what you do, you're not going to please everybody. Exactly. You know, I learned that at a young age, I actually used to mow a cemetery with like, I think there's almost 3000 headstones out there. And I would make that place look beautiful as a, as a kid, 15, 16 year old kid. And I was either driving too fast or, I mean, it, it, it didn't matter. There was some issue, even if you're trying to do it right and do an honest right. effort. And, and I'll be honest with you, you know, I, I haven't done a lot to many people in this industry. I've actually tried to keep my side very clean. And, um, and there are people that definitely try to make my life difficult, but it's because they're not, they're, they're not leveling up. They're not measuring up the situation. And, and you know, as well as I do do that, um, some people get jealous over some really funny things, right. and, but re- honestly, I don't even listen to that anymore. I have an extremely good reputation. I have a lot of friends and I have a lot of people that I care a lot about. So, sure. yeah, I think that was a lot of my problem early on with dive bomb is I thought I could please everybody. I thought I could make everybody happy and man, you can push all the right buttons and do the PR and try to say the right things. And at the end of the day, there's going to be people that just flat out don't like you for no reason. So, um, can't please everyone. That's right. You're right about that. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit about spring snows this season. So we know about the bumper crop of, you know, juvies and that, what was that? The 18 or the 17 fall, 18 spring. spring, Uh, And then of course the difficulty that most had with the adults last year. So, other than the uh, constant rain and mud, what is the story with these birds in 2020? So basically, like you said, in seven, or I guess spring of 18, um, there was a lot of guys doing it and a lot of guys with success. And, and in reality, um, you know, the, the situation definitely set people up for that. Um, There's also a lot of people hunting. That, that hatch actually for the most part, the hunters did a very big number on those geese. Um, so there wasn't a lot to carry over. We were hoping for, you know, quite a few, what we would call two-year-old birds. Uh-huh. Um, but last spring was extremely tough. I mean, there's nobody out there that can make magic happen. I mean, we had good days, but we had a lot of tough days. Now, this year, um, you know, there's a lot of people hunting, 
you know, in Canada, a lot more birds are getting shot, whatever, but there actually was a very good hatch overall in certain colonies. Um, but now there's so many people hunting snow geese, man, you really have to stay on top of them and know what you're doing and understand where you need to be and, and what's going on. So this year, there's a lot of guys struggling still. And, and we have been very successful. In fact, um, you know, we've, we haven't shot anything over 300 this year, which typically we have a couple hunts over 300 in Arkansas, but we have several in, you know, over 200 and a lot in over, that's over a hundred, which is from what I can see social media wise. And then my contacts that I stay in touch with, you know, we are, we're definitely banging them out pretty much still better than anybody at this very point. But there's some guys out there that are banging that just don't say anything, which is great. So, so, so whenever you consider the, the conditions, would you say you're, you're satisfied with where you guys are so far this spring, um, as far as harvest numbers here, the real truth is, is if you give people an honest effort and you work hard, the harvest numbers are going to come with it. So even last year, as tough as it was, I was happy with our harvest numbers because we gave it our all. And that's all you can expect even on a buddy hunt situation, if we're all doing our part, trying to get on them, I'm happy with the harvest numbers. Now with that mentality and that the way I think that way, that's how numbers get produced. So it kind of comes hand in hand. Definitely. So for me, I, I'm a native Arkansan. I love this state. I love, this is my home. Uh, it's very, very special to me. And it wasn't very long ago that there was nobody down here and you could get on, on, on any field you wanted. Um, as we know, things have changed. Uh, the amount of pressure on these birds now is absolutely insane with the number of guides and outfitters chasing them. How has the snow goose game changed over the years since you started running and gunning here in Arkansas? So to put it very bluntly that I've been hunting Arkansas for nine springs. Uh, This is the ninth spring. Yes. So to put it very bluntly, the first year that I came, I think I hunted within the lodge that I was at. I hunted within a 20 mile radius and there just wasn't pressure. The birds weren't getting hunted. It was easy. I mean, I'm going to say it was easy. In fact, I was hooked. And, uh, you know, I came here and I've buddy hunted on my own with bring friends down for, I guess, four more years after that. And we had awesome hunting. Um, but now, uh, you know, social media and phones and everything like that has really opened up the, uh, everybody's awareness of, of what is down here. And now there's, there's honestly, there's, there's a lot of guides. There's, there's, there's almost too much pressure, um, to the point where people aren't producing numbers anymore. I mean, it's, it's a different ball game. So Arkansas has changed a lot over the, the last nine years that we've, that I've been hunting down here and it's changed a lot, but we've evolved with it. And I understand that I don't own the state of Arkansas. I never have ever said that I do, but I'm working extra hard to keep my relationships with landowners and people in the area and, and feel welcomed around here where honestly, there's a lot of people coming to this state that, that don't even, don't even begin to, you know, come down past snow use hunting. 
you know, and, and I don't know, you've seen that as a local for sure, but. Do you, with, with all the added pressure on these birds, do you worry about the longevity of this and, and how productive it can be in the future? Or do you think it'll all sort itself out with these ups and downs of, of the, the hatches and, and the numbers? The, the longevity is definitely in jeopardy because it'd be like when I first came down here, um, the farmers wanted you to go shoot the snow geese off, you know, and, and now it's turned into a very commercial thing, much like the duck hunting here in Arkansas, you know, it's expensive and, and it's really expensive for me to run my operation correctly the way we do it. And we, and it's, it's going to get tougher. It's going to get tougher all the time. So hopefully, hopefully, um, hopefully we can grind it out and still produce and, and do this for many years and put smiles on people's faces, but it's, uh, it's going to get tough with the amount of people coming and trying to, trying to make it happen here. So now talking about, about tough and things getting tougher over the years, like myself, when I first started trying this, I was probably, I don't know, I'm 32 now. I probably started trying it when I was started driving, you know, 16, 17, and I was probably using Walmart sacks who, who knows what, um, but what, what do you think the biggest mistake that most guys make that are new to decoy and snow geese? What, what is the reason other than these geese are, you know, they travel in huge numbers and they, they work so vertically, like other than the, the basic stuff like that, we, we know everybody knows they're hard, you know, they've got strength and numbers, but what do you think's the biggest mistake that, that most guys make when it comes to to decoy and snow geese and, and their failures or they don't put up the, you know, they get on a good field and they have the opportunity, but they don't put up the numbers that, that they should have. So I get asked this question all the time. Um, there's definitely some rules to, you know, some basic ones. And that's basically what I'm willing to share at this time, of course. But um, the biggest thing is actually scouting. Scouting is your number one success um, in everything. And, and you need to know, you know, elements, then, then the elements come in your weather, um, your height is very important. Um, and your, your spread is very important. I mean, you can't just set a spread up however you want different weather conditions. You set that spread very different. And, and that's the thing is what, what is second nature to me, uh, or which is, you know, what is an everyday thing for us snow goose hunting here. People don't understand that when it's really high wind, you make the spread shorter, but a little wider when it's, you know, low wind, you make the spread longer, let the birds, you know, work a little, little bit longer, get down better. Um, Cause if anybody that's hunted snow geese at all, they understand that they start working the spread usually a little bit before. And, and then when they get to the end of the spread, they try and turn back around. Well, that's why low wind days, you make that spread longer. You know, it, there's just, there's a lot of factors that people are missing, but like I said, number one is scouting. Number two is weather. Number three is hide. So talking about, uh, about this and the difficulty. So when you start thinking about the elements, the pressure, the unpredictable nature of these birds, like you said, the snow goose guiding game is it's not for the faint of heart. So for you being at the top of the game, I know you aren't, just going to hire anybody and, and obviously mental toughness has to play a role. What, 
what do you look for in your guys, your guys that are going to come work for you? So that is a really good question. Um, this is one thing that is very different as well with our guide service is, um, you know, I do a lot of buddy hunting outside of Arkansas. I only guide in Arkansas. I also own an operation in Saskatchewan, but I do not personally guide there. Um, I just own part of it and I, I, I deal with it. So the difference between, you know, my guides is they hunt with me and we learn together. Um, we scout together, we hang out together, we're buddies. And, and when they come and work for me, they're, they have been my buddies. We have shared the field. We have hunted. We have a very similar idea of what needs to get done. Um, and I actually am very happy to say that all of my buddies that work for me definitely know how to separate, you know, business with pleasure. And they understand that if I, if I say, Hey, you're not doing this right, or you need to change this. They don't, they don't get butthurt about it. They just move on, fix the situation and go from there. And, and I've earned their respect as a snow goose hunter, um, because I've been doing it a long time. And I've brought a lot of people into this game that, um, that didn't really understand it either. And then they've gone on some absolute wild bangers. And, and now at this point, they respect the whole situation and the whole idea of what we're doing. So, you know, I've had lots of people ask me, Hey, I want to come guide for you or if you have openings, but the real truth is, is that's not going to happen unless I know you personally. Right. And there's, there's something else to that. I mean, I got to be able to look you in the eyes and trust you with my clients, with, with knowing that if I'm not there, you're going to take care of my name. And that's a big deal. So, and I've heard lots of horror stories in the guiding business, um, you know, of people leaving halfway through or, you know, the, the outfitters fighting with the guide. And it's just, I don't have that, which, which I really appreciate. And, and I have the same guides come pretty much every year. You know, I have a little turnover, but some people have life happen and they just, they can't right. continue to do it. Right. Yes. I mean, you've got to take it. it like you said, you know, you, they've got to be able to, there's a lot of times you're not going to be there in the field with them and, and you're not going to be present. And, and it takes a lot to, to trust somebody to know that they're carrying your name and the name of your business, the way that, uh, you want it to be carried and want it to be perceived. Right. So, uh, there's, yep. there's a lot that goes into that. So enough of all this serious stuff. Let's, Let's ask some of the fun questions. All right. Some of the stuff that I'm ready that people wants to hear. So what is the biggest spin that you've ever laid under? And what is the biggest rain out you have personally witnessed? So the first question is fairly loaded, but, um, yeah, cause you could have some in waves and waves coming. I'm going to yep. say within spinning within a, Let's give it a hundred yard radius inside of a hundred yard radius in your estimate. Uh, you know, it's pretty all over the board. I'm telling you, but I'd say probably the biggest spin I've ever had is 30 to 40,000 spinning on us at once, which is pretty intense. It's extremely intense. So, and then, uh, in Arkansas, um, the biggest hunt I've ever been a part of, and it was, 
with a client, with some clients. We shot 586 snow geese and uh, it was wild. And those guys did not have extensions, um, any of them. So there was three guides in the field with extensions and there was nine guys without. And it was a wild, wild hunt. 586. So that that's the highest, that's your one, that's your highest one day body count that you've produced during spring snow goose conservation season. That was 586. In Arkansas. In Arkansas. Yes. Now what's the biggest rain out that you've seen? The, the biggest rain out was 104 birds. We just actually had one yesterday that we actually only got one spin on us and we only fired into one flock and we shot 73 and it was, it was awesome. And so it, it can happen. If you, if those birds ball up right and they do it, it, it can get pretty wild. I mean, those are, those are some huge, huge rainouts. So, That's and I'm joke. hooping and holler and screaming. If you get me screaming, boy, it's good. <laughs> so your personal shot call, the one that, that everybody's, they've kind of gotten used to that. Take them, you know, like everybody, yeah. everybody's heard it. Everybody that's, that at least if you haven't been under a rock, you've heard it. If you do have an Instagram or a social media that we've all come across, how, I mean, obviously the first group you ever came out that, that probably isn't how you, how you, called the shot. So how did that one happen? And that kind of that long drawn out, you know, that, that, that one that we've come to know and expect on those really, really big epic spins and epic shot calls. How did that come about? So actually, um, when I started getting into decoying birds and they, you know, someone had to sh call the shot, I actually had heard someone say, take them. And, uh, and I didn't realize but that was my go-to. I realized it seemed like people were saying the same thing all the time or whatever. I was like, okay, so the whole group of guys that are hunting or girls, they need to hear the same thing so they don't get messed up. Well, I said, take them. I always have said, take them from day one, actually. Okay. Um, but I never knew that I was drawing it out like that. Never. Until, you know, and remember, we I've been doing this for a lot of years before cell phones were in the field all the time before videos were whatever. And, and, uh, we actually were just sitting down and one of my buddies goes, John, I love that shot call. He's like, I just, I can't get enough of it. He's, and he's like, when it's wild, you're doing it. And so long story. So you didn't even realize you were doing it then. No, <laughs> it's not a show. It is just, it's just, just me. excited. And, and, <laughs> It is. And when I let that baby rip, <laughs> apparently it sounds pretty cool. Yeah. It's usually, so. it, I think on the really, really good rainouts and the huge spins, it's, that's when it's really, really long and drawn out. So he can tell you're excited. Really? So they say, what do they say? As long as, as long as you're still getting excited with what you're doing, then that's, you know, you're doing it right. But as soon as you lose that fire, um, that's whenever you exactly. kind of got to get worried. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's fun to hear how that happened. And, yeah, it's funny you didn't even didn't even realize you were doing it, but it, the bigger <laughs> those things grew, and the more times they spin, that those M's M M M M M M M, I guess, just start building up with every spin. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got some other fun fun shot calls for when we get some big ones, but that's you cool. know you got to see that in person. So <laughs> all right, all right, I'll take you up on that sometime. So yeah. um, 
before we before we wrap up, um, you know, we're we're about forty minutes deep now. Um, before we wrap up, what what piece of advice would you give to a guy that's wanting to get into snow goose hunting? I don't I don't necessarily mean an outfitter or a guide, but maybe just a casual waterfowler that's struggled with them in the past and he wants to increase his odds of of success. You know, what everybody kind of gets hung up on is how many decoys do I need? How many, how many rotaries do I need? How many clones do I need or whatever? But, but in reality, um, scouting is still number one. Um, and so anybody wanting to get into it, you got to understand that you can't just be one person and succeed. You can't, you can't just go on online and watch a video and think you're going to make that happen just all day, every day, you know, all the time. So you really need a good group of guys that are dedicated. Snow goose hunting is a dedication thing. Yes, you can get lucky. You can make it happen once in a while. You happen to fall into the right situation, but if you're actually going to do it, it's, you need to have a team of guys that are actually willing to put the effort in and understand why. And like I said before, it's, it's, you know, there's three basic things and it's scouting and it's weather. And I mean, it's, it's, there's so many things that make the factors right, but those are the number, number one things. Right. So, well, man, we, uh, we, even me personally, I've, I've enjoyed seeing, seeing your growth and, and your success for many years. And, and, and I really appreciate you taking your time just to give us, a, you know, a small look in, into your world and, um, and, and the kind of guy you are and, and the way you like to do things. Um, man, I wish, wish you guys at snow additions, addition, I said addition, snow addictions, <laughs> I guess it could be, it uh, sounds like a strip club or something. <laughs> right. Um, I, you guys stay safe, man. I hope you, I hope you continue to wear them out the remainder of the season. Um, we'll talk to you soon. I appreciate you. You joining us? Tell Braden to wake up over there in the passenger seat. I'll do that. I'll do that. Yeah, he's taking a nap. <laughs> All right, I'll, man. Uh, I'll send you guys over. I'll send you guys over some videos to share with with your people, and hopefully, you guys watch along. And this is uh, this is a passion that I that runs very deep in my blood. So I'm I'm happy that you uh, gave me the opportunity to talk a little bit about it, and and I appreciate. I appreciate you guys as well. Yes, sir. So. Well, thank you for your time, John. We appreciate it, man. Thank you. Talk to All you later. Right. Bye. All right. Bye. All right. Well, there you have it from one of the most accomplished snow goose hunters in this sport. Uh, we are in the heart of spring snow goose season. Uh, it won't be long before these birds are pushed out of here in Arkansas and they're making their way north to a bunch of you guys so uh we hope you guys enjoyed this one we appreciate you listening uh, as always make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms instagram at dive bomb industries as well as facebook uh don't forget to join our facebook group not the page but our facebook group dive bomb industries forum and fan page we post a lot of stuff there before we post it to the general public. So make sure you don't miss out on that. A lot of exclusive items, exclusive offers, limited quantity items. Uh, make sure you join that page and join the discussion. There's a lot of really, really good discussion in there. Also, 
If you're not subscribed to our YouTube yet, please go subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, our subscriber number is low compared to our other social media platforms, and we've got some really awesome stuff on there. We always have these people on the fan page asking for tips and tricks and how to set out spread and this and that. And the first thing I ask is, do you subscribe to our YouTube? And the answer is no. And I'm like, well, everything's there that you need to see. There's a lot of really, really good setup stuff on there. Our Death From Below series, there's highlight videos, there's clips. There's a lot of good information. There's product videos where you can see the products, see what you can expect when you open the boxes. So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. We got a lot of really, really great content on that YouTube channel. So for now, my name is Asher Tolliver. As always, if you need anything from Dive Bomb, please reach out 314-322-7486 or send us an email to info at divebombindustries.com and one of our staff members will be more than happy to help you out. So as always, we appreciate you guys. We thank you for listening in. Y'all be good. Thank you for listening to the Dive Bomb Squadcast.